Hey, I hope your Thanksgiving went great. Uh, we had a good one, our family, and uh, we this uh, past summer we uh, bought a, one of those smoker grills, and we decided to smoke our turkey this year. Oh my goodness, <laughs> that was so good. And uh, my goal this week is just to get to a point where I'm hungry again. I'm trying, trying to try to hit that. Had a great time and a good time with family. Speaking of summer, I know some of you may re- may remember. I was speaking earlier at one point this summer where I used this, told this story about what this weird thing that happens in our backyard. <laughs> where we've got these animals that show up out of nowhere, de- uh, dead <laughs> stuffed animals. Um, they show up out of nowhere. Our dogs chew them up. Well, people ask me about that every once in a while. And sure enough, I, I, uh, I went outside the other week, and there's this animal laying there, chewed up by our dogs. Don't have a clue yet where these are coming from, who's doing it, and why. Um, just sort of weird thing. Mystery continues. If I ever find out the answer, by the way, if that's you, can you let me know? I appreciate that. But uh, if... Uh, if I ever find out, I'll let you know. But we're, we got a much bigger story that we're talking about uh, these days. We've been continuing in our series, Epic, this timeline, this uh, plan that God laid out for us throughout the Old Testament that leads us to Jesus. And uh, we've gotten to the point where last week, Pastor Kevin touched on the division of the kingdom of Israel. Remember, after Solomon, his son uh, became King Rehoboam. Rehoboam made a decision early there in his, in his reign that was a bad decision, ended up causing the division of the, of the kingdom. So Rehoboam begins reigning in the south, in the north, a guy named Jeroboam is reigning. And these guys go on and, and, and we get a line of kings after them. Uh, in the north, there's not, as, we're, as Kevin mentioned last week, not one good king in all the kings they have. And when we say not a good king, that's not from the people's perspective, that's from God's perspective, not one good king from God's perspective. They are often uh, described as falling in the sin of Jeroboam. Jeroboam, who was known for uh, installing, promoting the use of idols, and so that sin just passed on down through all these kings. Uh, That northern kingdom which began early in the 900s BC, ran to 722 BC where the Assyrians came in and took them over. Southern kingdom, a little bit different. They had some good and some bad kings. They lasted a little longer to 586 BC when the Babylonians came in. That southern kingdom, uh, uh, again, with good and bad kings, they were sort of up and down spiritually. Uh, And during those centuries between these two kingdoms, North kingdom known as Israel, the southern kingdom known as Judah, they had a lot of struggles between themselves. They also had the issues from Egypt constantly badgering them. They had issues from the Assyrians and then ultimately issues from Babylon. It's during those years, those centuries where that's going on that the prophetical books of the Bible begin to come into play. Those prophetical books are categorized in several different ways for us. You think about, like sometimes you'll hear a, uh, one of the books described as a major prophet. Uh, major prophets versus the minor prophets. Basically, they're categorized that way just simply by the size of the book. 
Major ones bigger, minor ones smaller, not a, not a less important message. It's just a smaller book, so it's called minor. They're also categorized by who they're written to. Because we have this divided kingdom, some of the prophets primarily were addressing the northern kingdom. Prophets like Amos and uh, Hosea. And then some of the prophets are primarily to the southern kingdom. Guys like Isaiah and Jeremiah. They're also categorized by time. And what I mean by that is it all hinges on this event called the exile, where the people were exiled from the land, taken away in captivity. So some of the prophets, they wrote before that happened, pre-exilic prophets like Amos, Hosea, Micah, and Isaiah. Some of them wrote during the exile, like Ezekiel and Daniel. And some of them wrote after the exile. They're post-exilic, Haggai, Zechariah, Malachi. So you got these different categories different times of the ride. They're all addressing these issues that these divided kingdoms are struggling with. And we're going to look a little bit at Isaiah today. So right off what we know is here's a book that's a major prophet. It's a, there's a lot of stuff there in, in the book of Isaiah. I, I spent a couple years back, spent over a year teaching through Isaiah in, in the class I teach on Sunday mornings, and I didn't do it justice. It, it, there's just a lot of stuff. And there's a lot of good stuff there. Um, we know this is a guy who's writing mostly to the southern kingdom of Judah. He's writing before the exile to Babylon, sometime between 739 and 681 BC. During his ministry, the northern kingdom falls. The southern kingdom's there. It's threatened by the Assyrians, but it continues to last. During his ministry, a number of kings come and go, some good, some not so good. So Judah was going through times of revival and times of rebellion based on who's reigning. And there's these recurring themes throughout the book. He talks about the sinfulness of Judah. He talks about God's call to them, this tender call, God's merciful call to them. In spite of the fact that they're so sinful, God continues to call them. He talks about the certainty of coming judgment, and then he talks about the greatness of the salvation that was offered. When you think about it, those are the same messages that we have today, right? I mean, same message, because God's always the same, and the message is always the same. People want to point to the God of the Old Testament and say, well, he's a God full of wrath and, and unmerciful and vengeance and judgment, and the God of the New Testament, he's all mercy and love and no judgment. But no, the message has always been the same. Man's complete, utter sinfulness, God's call to us out of his mercy, his love, judgment that's coming, and the greatness of our salvation. It's the same message. And what I want us to do is just look at one passage this morning where God is offering that call. In Isaiah chapter 55, if you've got a Bible, you can turn there or on your device, Isaiah 55, beginning in verse 1, God picturing himself to us as a street vendor on the streets of Jerusalem, making an offer to people. And he says there, Ho, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters, and you who have no money, come, buy and eat. Come by wine and milk without money and without cost. Why do you spend money for what is not bread and your wages for what does not satisfy? Listen carefully to me and eat what is good and delight yourself in abundance. Incline your ear and come to me. Listen that you may live 
and I will make an everlasting covenant with you according to the faithful mercies shown to David. That's some great stuff. That's God offering this, this call to us. God giving the invitation to people to establish a relationship with Him. It's the same invitation He offers today, right? And it's so good that it sounds a little crazy. Oh, hey, this is just an attention getter. Hey, just listen up here. Everyone who thirsts. Well, that's everybody at some point, isn't it? We all get thirsty at some point. I'm not just talking physically. We may not know what we're thirsty for, but everybody at some point starts looking around and wondering why things are the way they are. And some people wonder why their life seems so empty, why their job hasn't satisfied them, why their marriage isn't fulfilling, why they feel empty inside. They look pretty good on the surface, but inside they know they're thirsty. And they're looking for something more, something to bring fulfillment, something to bring satisfaction, something to remove the guilt, something to quench the thirst. This was especially great imagery for that part of the world. I mean, you can imagine that thirst is a major issue in the people, for the people of Israel. They, they knew about physical thirst and the desperation it can drive people to. That's what we're talking about. Realizing how desperate we are. If you're a follower of Jesus, you remember the time before coming to Him where you realized you had a need before God. That need so graphically described for us by the Apostle Paul in Ephesians chapter 2, and he said, and you were dead. You were dead in your trespasses and sins, in which you formerly walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, of the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience, among them we too all formerly lived in the lusts of our flesh, indulging the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, even as the rest. Just like everybody else in this world, we were just like them. We were children of wrath. What, that, what Paul is telling us is that when we, were, we came into this world, we came into this world with a sin nature and under the judgment of God. We deserved and we're bound for His wrath. Because we were dead spiritually. There was nothing in us that, that said there was any hope of life. But here's the crazy part. In that condition, despite our situation, the invitation went out. And that's... We are dead, deserving of God's wrath. You realize God, when He saved us, if you're a follower of Christ, when He saved you, you know what He saved us you from? He saved you from Himself. He saved you from His wrath. He rescued you from being under that. The invitation goes out. Isaiah God, through Isaiah here, tells us, you who have no money, come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without cost. And think about that. Some of you went shopping on Friday. 
I don't get it, but some of you did. To me, there's a reason they call it Black Friday. And I, I know this, you know, I know some of that explanation, you know, it's, well, it's when the, the retail world, you know, gets in the black and all that. I, but I've also heard that it's, uh, that that term actually came out of Philadelphia. And, and just looking at the commotion and the crowds and the traffic, somebody coined the term Black Friday and it spread all over the world. I think that's probably the more legitimate explanation. To me, that's the way it seems to go. Um, why would anybody want to do this? But think about going through all that. If you decide you want to go, I know you're going to get a deal. Yeah, that's great. But you go, if you were going through that knowing you went out into the crowd, you went out into the stores, you went out, you know, if you went out to do that knowing you had no money, knowing you had no resource to make any purchase. That'd be crazy, right? But that's what we were before Christ. We were seeing everything we needed, everything we wanted. You know, this is a time of year when, when we have the, this picturesque view of what the holidays are supposed to be like. You know, family and food and gently falling snow and fire in the fireplace. Everybody's happy. Everything's good. It's like a Hallmark movie, you know. We have this picturesque image and we're thinking, man, why can't it be more like that? You know, sometimes even apart from the holidays, we're sitting back thinking, why can't my life be really filled with happiness? We have this picturesque image, but no way of getting it on our own. But when we came to Jesus, we found out, we found out what we really need in life, and we, we were given it completely freely. It's so good. We were totally depraved, like we were talking about, dead spiritually, unable to do anything about it. We were desperate and no way to meet our own needs. And then Romans 8, Paul tells us, because the mindset and the flesh is hostile toward God, for it does not subject itself to the law of God, for it is not even able to do so. It's not able to do so. We didn't realize it, but what the Bible tells us is we're actually enemies of God. We were separated from Him, working against Him. On our own. We can't turn our lives toward God on our own. But still the Lord says, come. Again, the guy's out on the street selling water, calling out to get attention. Think about that. The God of heaven the God of heaven who created you and me, the God who created everything, the King of glory who reigns in majesty, chooses to picture himself as a street vendor because he loves us. It's awesome. And he's trying to persuade these people 
trying to persuade us. And so he, these words are used repeatedly in these verses. Come, 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 listen, listen, incline your ear, come. He's, he's begging. I've got what you need, what you need in life. I have it here. Just come. Think about it. If you're a follower of Jesus, how many times and in how many ways and how long did God call you? How long did He wait for you to respond? God in His mercy offering to you free salvation. Just come. Over and over continually waiting, patiently, how loving of Him, knowing the circumstances that we were in, that we were thirsty, that we had no resource. He said, come and buy. All with no cost. You know, cost is normally a big part of the deal, right? But this product is without money, without cost. That doesn't mean it's a cheap gift. It's not a cheap salvation. We all are very aware, if you're a follower of Jesus, of the incredible price paid for us. 1 Peter 1, Peter says, verse 18, knowing that you were not redeemed with perishable things like silver and gold from your feudal way of life inherited from your forefathers, but with precious blood as of a lamb, unblemished and spotless, the blood of Christ. He paid it all so that we could come to Him having paid nothing. What a picture of our salvation. It's free. That's the invitation to the lost. Come. If you're thirsty, you're looking at life, you're going, things aren't like they should be. You know what? I know I've sinned. I'm guilty and I can't fix that. Or I've tried everything else in life. I've tried all this other stuff to find some satisfaction in life. And now there's a thirst in you for something more. The God of heaven says to you, come. Buy. Without money. Without cost. Come. There's not a better deal around. You know, we also know when we're buying something, sometimes we like to comparison shop. We want to see what else is out there, see what someone else is offering. Well, that comes into play now, and it came into place back then. These were people that they, they were like us. They had put down roots. They had homes. They had businesses. They had relationships. They had all that. They could live for all that, hoping that it would bring satisfaction, or they could come to Him. So Isaiah asked the question, why do you spend money for what is not bread, and your wages for what does not satisfy? You know, ultimately, he's like, why would you, ask, why would you spend your, invest your life here? In the things of this world that ultimately won't satisfy, Why? There's something much better. There's no real comparison to all the stuff that we can pursue in this life or pursuing God. Notice the quality. You know, when you buy something, you want to buy something that has a certain amount of quality for the money you're spending. And so the invitation goes out. God's speaking to us. Listen, he says, listen carefully to me. Which is like, don't listen to the other vendors. Listen to me. 
and eat what is good. Eat what's good, nothing like it. Delight yourself in abundance. In luxury. Be pampered. Immerse yourself in the luxury. The word abundance, literally the Hebrew word, means fatness. Delight yourself in fatness. What we're talking about here is the things that really matter most in life. The things that we're all searching for, hoping for. Peace. Joy. Security. One of the the words that I think of as far as our salvation is concerned I love that the writer of Hebrews uses from the Old Testament is the word rest. To be able to rest in Christ. We get to do that. We've come to Him. We get joy. We get peace. We get security. We get to rest before Him and in Him. There's, there's, there is no comparison to the offer that was made to us by this street vendor than what we have gotten. Before Christ, we couldn't even get bread. With Christ, we are pampered in luxury. Quality of life. And we always want something that lasts. And, this, and God offers to us. He says here, I'll make an everlasting covenant with you. Everlasting. You don't get a better guarantee than that, right? Everlasting. It's what we know of as the new covenant. The writer of the book of Hebrews, again, quoting from the Old Testament, tells us in chapter 8, Verse 10, he says, For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel. After those days, says the Lord, I will put my laws into their minds, and I will write them on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. And they shall not teach everyone his fellow citizen and everyone his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for all will know me. From the least to the greatest of them, for I will be merciful to their iniquities, and I will remember their sins no more. This is the new covenant. This is what's offered in this invitation. When he's saying, hey, come and buy without money, without cost, here's the, here's the goodness of this. This everlasting covenant, it's so good. It deals with the inner instead of, instead of the outer. You see, he talks about the fact here that he's going to put his laws in our minds and on our hearts. He's going to write them on. It's not on a stone somewhere. It's not some outward compulsion, but it's an inward desire because He changes us. When we came to Him and when we took Him up on His offer, this free gift, we are regenerated. We're made new inside. We're changed inwardly. Aren't you glad it's not some surface change? Aren't you glad that we're not just going through some outward motions, but that what we have in Christ is real and it changes us, it makes us new. From the inside out. It's better because it impacts all of us instead of some of us. If you come to G, everyone involved 
with this new covenant has a personal knowledge of God. Did you catch that there where he's saying, hey, they shall not teach everyone his fellow citizen and everyone his brother saying, know the Lord for all will know me. See, under the old covenant, there are people who are living under the old covenant who did not have a personal relationship with God. They were attempting sometimes to do the outward stuff, but their life had not been changed inwardly. And in the new covenant, when you come to him, when you take him up on this offer, when he says, come and buy without cost, and you say, yes, I want that, guess what? You get to come in, and we're all on the same level. This is the, this is the great truth about Christianity, true biblical Christianity, is there's not certain levels of people. We're all on the same level, every one of us. It doesn't matter our socioeconomic status or the color of our skin or our abilities or any other factor. True Christianity is for the man or the woman on the street, the man or woman on the office or in the factory. It doesn't matter. All of us, when we come, have a personal relationship with God. And just to think that He wanted that relationship with us. He wanted it so much that he would picture himself as a street vendor pleading with us to come by from him. The God of heaven wants you to be in relationship with him. So awesome. This new covenant's better because it brings forgiveness instead of judgment. You know, under the old covenant, there was no final sacrifice for sin that had been offered, was there? Under the new covenant, there has been. He offered himself on the cross in payment for our sin so that all of our sin, big or small, every single sin we've ever committed or ever will commit was placed on Him. We're forgiven. We're released from that. Fully, finally, forever forgiven. It's taken care of. It's better. It's free. Why? If you're you're dealing with guilt today, Why? The God of heaven offers you forgiveness. You don't have to carry that with you. He's taking care of it for you if you'll come to him. It's free. This new covenant, it's better because it's lasting. The old one's obsolete. It, it pointed us to our sin. This new covenant is everlasting. It's for all eternity. See, the quality of this purchase is beyond comparison. That's the invitation, if you're a follower of Jesus, that you've responded to. And it's the invitation that is offered to you if you haven't taken that step yet, to come and buy without cost. Receive the best. The invitation's always been the same. It was, a, it was the same message in Isaiah's day that was in Jesus' day. Remember Jesus' went in conversation with the woman at the well in John 4? 
There came a woman, verse 7, there came a woman of Samaria to draw water, and Jesus said to her, give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. Therefore the Samaritan woman said to him, how is it that you, being a Jew, ask me for a drink since I'm a Samaritan woman? For Jews have no dealing with Samaritans. Jesus answered and said to her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is who says to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. See, you're, lady, you're, so, you're all consumed with what you're doing that day. You're doing the task. You're getting the need met. But it's just temporary. He's, she said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where, where, where then do you get that living water? You're not greater than our father Jacob, are you, who gave us the well and drank of it himself and his sons and his cattle? And Jesus answered and said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will thirst again. This is one of the spots actually in Israel, if you go there, that's, you can feel pretty sure it's authentic that you can, you can go to this well today. It's right at the base of Mount Gerizim. It's an ancient well that is deep. I drank from that well. And guess what? You get thirsty again. Jesus said to her, answered said to her, everyone who drinks of this water will thirst again, but whoever drinks of the water that I will give him shall never thirst. But the water that I will give him will become a, in him a well of water springing up to eternal life. Same offer today. The offer that Isaiah, that God made through Isaiah, the offer that Jesus made to the Samaritan woman, it's the same offer today. We're thirsty and some, for some of us, we've been working hard to try to find, to get things right in life, hoping to find some satisfaction, but we haven't found it. He came and offered us a drink. And for those of us who have responded, what we were able to get from him was satisfying beyond our imagination. Our thirst was quenched forever. That's what is offered to all who are thirsty that are willing to come to Him. And that's why we get to celebrate this time of year. That's why we give thanks, right? I don't know, you know every year it crosses my mind when it comes to Thanksgiving. In a secular world, to a secular individual, when it comes to Thanksgiving, who in the world are they giving thanks to? themselves for working hard? Other people for being nice to them? Uh, who are you giving thanks to? Or to know the God of heaven who made to you the best offer ever, blessed you with eternal life and satisfied the greatest needs of your life. That's a reason to give thanks. The reason we're going to celebrate in the weeks ahead is because the one who made that offer came to this earth, humbled himself, became a man, became obedient unto death, even death on a cross. So we can know him. We get to celebrate for that reason. That's why in the, in the weeks ahead, this is a great time for us as believers in, in two weeks, we're going to extend this series. 
we're going to go from epic to epic Christmas. And here's a challenge to you. In those weeks ahead, if you've experienced, if you've made this purchase from God, invite somebody to church so they can hear about it. Invite somebody to come and be a part of what's going on, but even more. To me, this is, this, is a, this is an easy, easy step to take. Because you're going to be talking with people in the weeks ahead about the gifts they're buying and about the gifts you're buying. People at work or in the neighborhood or wherever, you're going to be talking, they're going to be telling you about these things. Just take a step and, off and say to them, you know what, can I tell you? Can I tell you about the best deal I ever got? The God of heaven loves me enough you would call me and tell me that I could come to him and buy without cost water and bread that would satisfy every desire of my life. I got it free. And it lasts for eternity. It doesn't get any better. Well, what an easy... Just so easily, you can slip into a spiritual conversation right there. People tell you, talking to you about gifts, tell them about the best purchase you ever made. Costs you nothing. Guaranteed for eternity. And if you've not taken him up on that offer yet, if you're sitting here going, yeah, this all sounds great, but I've never taken that step. What are you waiting for? The God of heaven pleading with you to take that step. Make the purchase. And you can, sitting right where you're at, in your own heart and mind, can simply say to him, God, I get it. I am a sinner. I'm guilty. I can't fix it on my own. I know Jesus paid the price for me on the cross. His death paid for my sin. And so, God, I'm relying on that completely to take care of this whole situation for me. I'm coming to you. I want to make the purchase. I'm asking you, God, forgive me. Come into my life. You can take that step right now. Nobody else in here right now has to even know. You just tell God that. Tell Him you want that relationship with Him. Come into my life. Forgive me of my sin. And at that moment, he will change you. All those things we talk about, about the, this new covenant being better, it's better, you know, because it does this internal thing. It regenerates you. It's better because it lasts forever. It's all that. All that gets, becomes yours at the moment you turn to him. Turn to him.